Please rise for the gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, chapter 13. Glory to you, O Lord. Now before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart from this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray him. And during supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe, and tied a towel around himself. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus answered, You do not know now what I am doing, but later you will understand. Peter said to him, You will never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, One who has bathed does not need to wash except for the feet, but is entirely clean. And you are clean, though not all of you, for he knew who was to betray him. For this reason he said, Not all of you are clean. After he had washed their feet, he put on his robe and had returned to the table. He said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord. And you are right, for that is what I am. So if I, your teacher and Lord, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example that you also should do as I have done to you. Very truly, I tell you, servants are not greater than their master, nor are messengers greater than the one who sent them. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Now the Son of Man has been glorified, and God has been glorified in him. If God has been glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will glorify him at once. Little children, I am with you only a little longer. You will look for me. And as I said to the Jews, so now I say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. I give you a new commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. I'm going to preach from down here tonight because this has been our custom throughout Lent. 
these past six weeks. How many days are there in Lent? 40 days. And if you do the math, it starts on Ash Wednesday. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Your first week, you only get four days. So what's 40 minus four? 36. So how do you get to 36 out of a week? Well, Sundays don't count in Lent. Okay, Sundays are always Easter. So you have six weeks of six days. Six times six is 36. So today is day number um, out of 40, you know, we are at 48. Tomorrow's, or sorry, 38. Tomorrow's 39. Saturday is the 40th day. So we are in this in-between time. Lent is kind of over, but the 40 days aren't over yet. They're not over until Easter. So what we've been doing these past six weeks of Lent, seven, including Ash Wednesday, is talking about how through our baptism, we are each called to be ministers of the gospel, not just a professional clergy, but everyone who's baptized through your baptism, you are a minister of the gospel. So we started off, if you had one thing in a limited amount of time called an elevator pitch, what's the one thing you should talk about to evangelize people? You got to talk about grace, grace. grace. And, you know, people said, well, I, I, I tell people they should come to our church for the music or the preaching or the fellowship. Well, that's all good. Do that. Be authentic, but connect it to grace. If you had two things you could do, you could ask people to share their highs and their lows. That's sharing the love of Jesus by getting to know people and what's going well and what's a challenge in their life. It's kind of like confession and forgiveness, which is a priestly vocation. If you had a little bit more time and you could do three things, you could share a message, a sermon, a testimony, a homily. And to do that, I'm going through here, if you're looking on this, this page here, most sermons, and even public speaking for that matter, are framed in a basic structure. To get people's attention, you talk about a problem. And the whole rest of the world wants to jump to what are you going to do to solve it? The solution. As Christians, we talk about Jesus, we talk about grace, we talk about God as a solution. Saved by grace, through faith, and not by our works. Then we send people out with something to do. So those are the three points in giving a message. Four. So if you're looking at your sheet, it goes one, two, three, five. So where's four? Four is how you run a meeting, how you work with people. In Greek, liturgy means working with people. And the basic framework we use is we gather which is when we do confession and forgiveness in the service. Then we do the word. Then we do the meal. And then finally, we send people out. That's what we do every Sunday when we do the liturgy. If you are running a meeting and working with people in other contexts, business contexts, secular contexts, you can still practice the liturgy. You gather people together. You have a time of self-awareness, checking in highs and lows. You can share the word. If you can, you could share a Bible verse. 
If not, you could share a poem. If you can't share communion, you can have a, a, a prayer or a time of silence if you're at a public school or something. And then finally, you get to the business, the sending, which I say is the longest part of our liturgy because it, ends Sunday, it begins Sunday morning and it goes all week long, the sending. So that's four things. Five, this is what we talked about last week. Five is how we do Holy Communion. There's five basic things you need for Holy Communion. Bread and wine, people, the Bible, prayer, and then to eat and drink together. So tonight is about six. Um, here we are in the sixth week of Lent, and here is our lesson for tonight. In our gospel, um, it's a story you might be familiar with, and if not, you heard it. Um, in the gospel of John, Jesus doesn't actually celebrate Holy Communion. He doesn't. It's not in there. It's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and it's in Corinthians, which Mark read very well. Thank you, Mark. John is different. According to John, Jesus didn't do the bread and the wine thing. There's the miracles, the feeding, you know, there's feeding miracles, but not Holy Communion. It's very interesting. And instead, he washes the disciples' feet. And that's just been very interesting for the past 2,000 years. Preachers and, and baptized ministers of the gospel have wondered why. Why did John not include that? So it's something for you to think about. What he does say at the end of the passage we read tonight, is he says, children, I will be with you only a little bit longer, and then I'm leaving. And where I'm going, you can't go with me, at least not yet. He really is being honest. He's saying, you're going to miss me. I'm going to be gone. And we have to just take a minute to think about what that must have been like for Jesus' disciples and his close friends and his family that followed him. I mean, we go through times of maybe doubting and feeling, where is God in my life? And those are very real feelings. But think about the disciples. I mean, they were actually losing a human being that they had walked with and lived with and ate with. It must have been really sad for them to hear him say, I'm, this is goodbye. And you can't come with me. And right after that, he hits them with the new commandment. And that's what mandi means in Monday Thursday. It's Latin for commandment, M-A-N-D, commandment, Monday Thursday. And the new commandment, you got the Ten Commandments, you got the greatest commandment, here's the new commandment. Love each other, not as you love yourself, love each other as I have loved you. Why did he give that commandment? He gave that commandment because when we do that, we experience Jesus' presence with us even today. When we love other people as Jesus loved us, we experience Jesus with us in the flesh and blood. 
And we know this because in other places of the Bible, he says it. In Matthew 25, and here's number six for tonight, and this was a sermon last year, there are six specific people that when you encounter, Jesus has promised to meet you in them. Anyone who is hungry, thirsty, naked, sick, in prison, or a stranger. You could also say a foreigner. Now the thing is, when you meet someone who lacks food, lacks water, lacks clothing, lacks health, lacks their freedom, um, lacks being known, it's not going to be easy. It's not an easy thing. It's not like anybody who's hungry is going to be a nice person. There's going to be some not nice people that you meet. And yet, even still, if you share and care and love people, it's as if you are doing it to Jesus. It's as if Jesus is meeting you. And so I hope that you can see in that grace that God comes to us. Jesus actually physically really comes to us in at least these six different ways. Even though he was saying goodbye to his disciples. He's saying, you can meet me in any of these other ways. So, to be practical as ministers of the gospel, one way that you can apply this is in a basic planning strategy. When you plan an event or a ministry or just something that's going to happen, it's a basic framework that like Sherry and I learned when we were youth ministers, when we were trained by our mentor, Connie Wolf, a longtime youth minister in Southern California. She said, when you plan a youth event and it applies to any ministry event, there's six basic questions you need to ask yourself. Who, what, when, where, how, and why, right? You might, you might have learned that in high school journalism class, writing an article. Um, but those are the, the questions we think through every time we gather to do some type of ministry activity. Who's gonna, who's, who are we inviting? Or more importantly, who's responsible? What are the roles and responsibilities? Like we put in the bulletin, who's the usher? Who's the reader? We talk about what? What are we going to do? Are we going to have bratwurst and sauerkraut? Is it Oktoberfest? Will there be a dunk tank? What? Right? When? And these are just basic questions. When, when is our event going to happen? What day of the week and what time? Where? Obviously. And that's important because church isn't just a building. We can go out. Like when we went and saw our movie a couple weeks ago, we were out in the community. How? Um, how is where stewardship comes in? Um, how much is it going to cost? How are people going to pay for it? Uh, those types of questions, the material questions. And finally, why? Anytime we plan an event, you plan an event, we have to ask ourselves, why are we doing this? What's our purpose? And the purpose should always come back to grace. How are we sharing grace with people? How are we communicating grace? Uh, through this ministry activity. And that is a simple framework um, that you can use. Um, if you had an idea and you wanted to say, Pastor, I really think we should do this. I might say to you, what are the six um, 
things that you thought about, questions for uh, a ministry idea. Another question we might think about is the who question. How are we going to meet Jesus in this activity? How are we meeting people's needs? And as you pray about that and you think about that and living out your Christian vocation, we can take comfort in knowing that our Lord will meet us in simple acts of service to one another through potlucks, through technology, through reading the word, passing out bulletins, and even simple acts like washing each other's feet. And so may God bless you as you share and do the ministry of the gospel. Amen.